Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. podcast1.com and iTunes. Hope you guys are doing well and welcome to another podcast Thursday with a couple great interviews that as usual come to us courtesy of my Sirius XM volume show heard daily on channel 106 live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time every day replaying every night 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand on the Sirius XM app to listen to whenever you want. Thanks for joining me for daily rock talk over on Sirius XM if you do so. Again, Monday through Friday. And if you don't do so, if you're in America or Canada, what are you waiting for? Get on board and join me outside of the U.S. and Canada. Of course, uh, you can't get Sirius XM, but here on this podcast, I try to bring you a little taste of what I'm doing there on satellite radio on a daily basis where I talk rock with everybody. And today, two interviews for you. I haven't done a double dip in a while, but I'll bring you two, and I think you're going to enjoy both of them. Uh, today, we will hear from Phil Collin a conversation I had with the Def Leppard guitarist on the day he found out Def Leppard were going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And also joining me from his home in Japan, former Megadeth guitarist Marty Friedman. Great conversation about all sorts of stuff. I really think you guys will enjoy. Two great interviews for you on this week's podcast. Phil Collin kind of on the short side, more of a check-in and a congratulations call about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. Marty Friedman, a little more wide-ranging little more time I had with him as we discuss uh, all sorts of stuff, including Marty's new live album and tour, which is actually kicking off like now, like any day, if I'm not mistaken. It starts around the NAMM show, which I will actually be out at, so I'll be seeing Marty soon as well. So the timing to put this interview up for everybody is actually really, really good. At the time you're hearing this, which is Thursday, post-day, the 17th of January, Tonight, I'll be doing my first ever broadcast of the new year from the Rainbow Bar and Grill in Los Angeles. Every month, I do my volume show, Trunk Nation, from the Rainbow in L.A. 
And the one that I am doing is tonight, if you're listening on post day, the 17th of January at the Rainbow, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time. If you're in Southern California, you can come down. Don't need a ticket, nothing. And if you're not in Southern California, well, then you can listen to it as it happens on Channel 106. Tonight, my guests are going to be Geezer Butler, Frankie Perez, Matt Sorum, who make up the new band Deadland Ritual along with Steve Stevens. That'll all be going down at the Rainbow tonight. So hope to see if you're in Southern California. If you're not, make sure you listen, like I said, on 106. And then from there, a lot of other stuff going on, including some broadcasts from the NAM show in Anaheim all of next week. I'll be on the uh, West Coast for about a week and a half. And then that goes into Cruise to the Edge, the Prague Cruise I'll be broadcasting from, Monsters of Rock I'll be broadcasting from, Tesla just added March 3rd, Seminole Hard Rock in Hollywood, Florida with Kicks. I'll be hosting that one. Uh, there is a bunch of shows, a bunch of stuff happening that I'll be presenting or hosting. The Ronnie Montrose Remembered Show happening at NAM. The Hall of Heavy Metal History Awards happening at NAM. Just check the homepage of eddytrunk.com for all of my appearances. And be sure to follow. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. Still sick. Be sure to follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk, Instagram at Eddie Trunk, fan page at Eddie Trunk. And yeah, I am still sick, two weeks and counting from the flu. You will hear that in my voice. I just get caught up and lose wind. It was a brutal couple of weeks. I hope I'm on the other side of it. But man, did it suck trying to recover from this uh, this flu bug, and I don't wish that on anyone. So apologies for getting a little hacky from time to time, if indeed that uh, continues to happen. So you got the social media, you got the appearances on the homepage. I hope you guys come out and I see it. Some of this stuff, a lot of things going on, a lot of things being added, and uh, keep an eye on that homepage for updates. If you're on my site, Music News is updated daily. There's also a merch store, my blog, all sorts of good stuff on there as well. And as I always say, Twitter, where I am most active and up to the second as far as info and updates on everything I have going on. While I'm at NAM, I got some great guests coming on the volume show, and I'll also be shooting an Access TV show there, my second season of Trunk Fest, as well as doing the Sirius XM volume show. So full plate as usual, a lot of good stuff going on, and thank you for all your support as usual. So let's get right to it because the interviews, a lot of long interview content this week. I'll get you Phil Collin first. Phil called in, as I mentioned, the day that Def Leppard found out they're being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We had some fun with Phil. Phil's an old friend, and congratulations to all the Leopard guys, and had a lot of fun talking to Phil about uh, the induction and what may or may not happen. And at the time that I'm bringing you this interview, we still haven't heard much details about what Def Leppard will do when they get inducted and who will induct them. You will hear Phil Collin in this interview reveal who he would like to have induct Def Leppard. Whether that's going to happen or not, we still have not heard. So Phil Collin first, and then Marty Friedman calling from his home in Japan after Collin talking about his live tour, his live album, and just some great wide-ranging music conversation with Marty Friedman. So let's get uh, our first break. We'll come back, and we'll be joined by Phil Collin to kick off a double dip on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. The Eddie Trunk Podcast.
60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? You can get an offer for your car with True Car. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a True Cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local true car certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out. And uh, you guys can look at over together. You can ask questions. You get the answers you need. So there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trading your car for a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. The big game is around the corner. Every single team that is suiting up for this weekend, putting a helmet on, putting the cleats on, has a three-game win streak left in them right now. Check out the Rich Eisen Show on Podcast One Sportsnet as the legendary sportscaster analyzes the plays and predicts what will happen on February 3rd. Almost a quarter century of covering NFL playoffs. I cannot recall a more wide-open field. Download the Rich Eisen Show every weekday on Podcast One Sportsnet or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Eddie Trunk back with you. As I mentioned, coming up a little bit later on, Marty Friedman. But first, we welcome Phil Collin, who called my Sirius XM radio show on the day Def Leppard found out they were going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Pretty crazy day. A lot of uh, you know excitement in the Def Leppard camp, who at the time were in Sheffield, England, their hometown, when they found out they were going into the Hall of Fame. So we talked to uh, Phil about that and get some thoughts about it. And that's what I have for you to start off on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Enjoy. Congratulations, bud. How are you feeling today? Thank you, Eddie. Great, actually. Yeah, absolutely. This is, this is good news. And, and you know, more, more for anyone else, our fans, because, um, you know, for years, you know, we'd always get stuff and we go, guys, why don't you and Rock and Roll and get really offended by it? They would, they would be more <laughs> upset about it than we were, so... To the fans, it's, it's so good. I mean, it's great for us as well, but it, it kind of finally, you know, we, the, the fans get their way, and it, that's really good. I'm really glad for them because they're awesome. You know, Phil, one of the, the things that I find with all the bands that I've always, like, you know, I'm a fan myself and that I beat the drum about getting mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame who have been ignored for a long time is that a lot of the artists I, I know, will say – but but a lot of the a lot of the artists will say things like when they they they've been overlooked they'll say things like well you know who cares who cares who cares and it's you know it's a fan thing and all that and then when they actually when the day comes like the day has come today for you to find out you're actually going in does it change your feeling about it a little bit do you then suddenly because most of the acts tell me then all of a sudden it kind of hits them and certainly when the event rolls around it kind of hits them and said. 
and they say, yeah, I guess we get it now. This is pretty cool. What, what was your take in the years leading into it when you heard that from fans, and how do you feel? Do you feel any differently today about it? All right, so before, I absolutely didn't give a shit. I, absolutely. It was like, you know, didn't bother me, didn't care. It's like, oh, yeah, what? And, and it literally, it was always, it still is actually, it's more for our fans than us because it's like, but for the band, for the brand, for everything else, it's fantastic. I've got more texts and emails today than I've had for any other event, pretty much in, you know, birthdays, birthdays, all, all sorts of stuff. And, so this obviously means more, and, and it actually means more to the to the band, and you know, on a, a you know, kind of a, a fame level or, or whatever it's supposed to be. Actually, you know, it's like one of those things, you know, like playing the Super Bowl and doing all that stuff, and you know, getting a, a diamond album and all that. It kind of goes along with that thing. It really you know, puts so a butt. It really it's it good. It's a big deal. It really puts a but it really puts a button on what has been an incredible 2018 for Def Leppard, doesn't it? From you, when you look at where the year started to the the success of the tour with Journey to now here in December having this news come out. I mean, when you look back on it, I mean, Def Leppard has had some unbelievable years. But I don't know if you could have ever envisioned all these years into your career a 2018 like this. This is unbelievable. It is more than anything else. It actually means more. I, honestly, all of this this late success, um, you know, in the stadiums this year and all of that stuff, um, it really means more when you're 61 years old than, than when you're uh, you're 25 and you've got record company, you've got youth on your side, you've got you know, you've got Matt Lang producing the stuff. You've got it, it's a lot. That was a lot easier. Not that we took it for granted because we always worked really hard. But it means more now because it's like it, it means that we have integrity. You know, we've never split up. We've never done kind of, um, you know, reformed and done reunion tours because we're always too thick and thin. So I, I do like the fact that this year has been just incredible. It started off amazing. You know, I've done the uh, G3 tour in January. Uh, and then we, um, it just went on from there. You know, we, we kicked off with, with uh, Journey in, in May. And that was incredible. It just it just kept getting better and better and better. So this kind of tops it off. And and you know, you know, ironically, just as we're about to release our um, new greatest hits album, you know, back with the label, we're back on, you know, on Apple Music, we're on Spotify. So all of these things have happened this year, and it's kind of, um, it, yeah, it's long overdue, but a lot of things, and I think they all culminate at the, at the right time. So the, the stars definitely lined up with this one, and and that's how it feels. You know what I mean? It's kind of. And, you know, we've never been this good. You know, we've, we've never played, never sung this good. Joe's never sounded this good. You know, even when he was in his 20s, he didn't sing like this. So this is, it, it, it means a lot more, all, all of it. And I'm talking about success in general. And this is, this just tops it off in, in you know, the, the, the whole thing. You know, having this, this kind of uh, being you know, nominated and actually being inducted is actually really cool. Tell me about how you heard the news. Did you find out last night? Did somebody call you early this morning? Did you get a text? How did you get notified that you'd gotten in? Yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I think, I think it was a phone call. You know, someone said yesterday that they're announcing it today. And, um, you know, just to chill on it a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, it was really cool. I think when we got the nomination, because it, it, it hadn't even ever been nominated. So the fact that we got nominated and inducted first time around was, was kind of cool. And, uh, 
you know, as you know, and as you've been saying for years, um, we, we probably should have been in there, you know, with the only band out of all the other artists who have two diamond albums, that being Led Zeppelin, the Beatles, Pink Floyd, the Eagles, and Van Halen. They all were in already. So it kind of seemed a little odd that, that we, we weren't in there. But, you know, there you go, whatever, as long as it takes you, as long as you get there in the end, it's like, it's like you know, working out or going on a, a, a diet. As long as you get to your, your, your goal in the end, that's all that matters. And the fact that, you know, like I said, you know, we, we do have the integrity, we do have the balls and the, and the, you know, all of that stuff to just keep going. I think that's, that's really cool. And for people that don't know, Diamond albums are rarefied air. That's albums that have sold 10 million copies or more, and to have two of them is, is, is just remarkable. Phil, let me ask you about... Um, uh, about the uh, about Steve Clark, you know how I, I mean. Obviously, he rightfully he's a huge part of the band's history and being uh, inducted here as well. Have you guys thought about and talked about how you're going to handle that? Does he have family or something that will accept for him? H- have you figured that out yet? Uh, well, I you know I'm seeing his mum tomorrow. I spoke to her the other day, um, Daryl, and her and Steve's brother Chris are coming down to the show tomorrow. We're actually in Sheffield, you know ironically, of, of all places, you know, it's where the band's from. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen Daryl for three years. And, um, you know, and, and you know, I miss Steve every day. You know, it kind of you know, still chokes me up, even to this point, just seeing him, you know, on the screen every day. You know, we have, we have all these screens on in our show. We're doing Hysteria, and it kind of... He's very prominent. He's, got, he's a very... He has a very prominent... Um, presence, you know, he, even now, you know, on stage with us. And um, so, so that's really cool. So, you know, I hope she can make it out. You know, it's a long way. You know, she's in her 80s now. Uh, his dad's still alive. They're, they're both, you know, they're getting up there, and it's, it's where they want to come. It'd be great if they did. If not, we totally understand, you know. And what about Pete Willis? I actually was really, of course, Pete Willis is the guy you replaced in Def Leppard, but I was actually pleasantly surprised, you know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, when they do finally put bands in, there's a lot of debate, and history has shown there's been a lot of members of bands that have made contributions, even way more than what Pete did to Def Leppard, who were not included. I, I was really surprised and happily that they decided to acknowledge and include Pete Willis. Is anyone still in touch with him, and, and do we know where he stands in all this? I, I, mean, I don't know, but we're definitely we're going to invite him down. He, he has to be. He, he is part of it, you know. You know, as much as um, not as much as Steve was, but you know, he's, he's definitely part of the stuff. You know, I, I knew him before I joined the band, and you know, whatever whatever reasons and everything. But he's integral. You know, he's absolutely so. Yeah, it would be a, a, a sin if he didn't. Show, you know, didn't wasn't part of it. So yeah, we'd, we'd definitely invite him for sure. But, I mean, you know my point about that is that, I mean, uh, Sabbath went in and, and Ronnie made three albums with Sabbath, four actually, and he wasn't included. Uh, Dave Abrusace, the drummer in Pearl Jam on all their classic records, he wasn't included. So it, it is pretty pretty cool That's that weird. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acknowledged Pete enough and realized his contributions to, to include him in this. I was amazed by that, actually. Well, I, I thought it was going to be the other way around because he was an original member. He's on the first two. Actually, he's on Pyromania as well. Both of us are on Pyromania. Um, right. So I, I, to be quite honest, the way that they, they treated Kiss back in the day, which was, you know, right. they, they didn't want to have uh, Tommy and Eric. You know, they'd been in the band longer than the other guys. And it's like, 
you know, and they, they work really hard. So it, I, I thought it was going to be like me and Viv, yeah, you, know, you can watch it on TV. But obviously, you know, they, they, you know, I, I was on all the classic stuff, wrote a lot of the classic stuff and, and that. But I think, yeah, I think they should just invite everyone who's been part of the band, you know. It's, it's the way. And I do think that the, whoever's doing it right now, it's a, it's a lot more organized, it's a lot more obvious, it's a lot more logical than what it used to be. I could I could never really understand how they 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 done this in the past. And you know, I've I've had some stuff at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Museum. My my Jackson Bell Legosi guitar has been probably lived there for about five or six years over the years. And I you know I got it back. So I'm playing it on this tour. But they've always you know when I've spoken to the people at the museum, they're going, guys, it's a travesty. You're not there. We don't understand why. We're really sorry. And da 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 da. But I, I do think that whoever's in there now and the, the current people, it's it's a lot more logical, it makes sense, and, and, and things like that. Like you just said, you know, the fact that, that they would invite the, the whole band, everyone who's important, it's like, yeah, that, that makes total sense, and I'm, I'm really cool about that. It's, 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 and, I like the way that it's going. And, of course, uh, the, the new guy of 26 years, Vivian, also rightfully included in all of this as well, because, again, you never know what the hell they're going to come up with over there. We've seen them do some, make some crazy decisions. So with Def Leppard, you guys may have sat on the sidelines for a dozen years, but they finally got it right when they put you in, at least. <laughs> they, they did. I mean, and to be quite because they want us to play as well. And, and you know, it, 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 it's pretty high level. It's pretty high intensity, you know, the backing vocals and the near big guitar parts, the way we're all playing things together, it's kind of, you can't really um, disrupt that. It's not like a jam band or something. It is very, uh, very specific, you know what I mean? So um, I think everyone realizes that, which is, is, is a nice compliment to us. They, they realize that, you know, a lot of people sing us live and they're, they're, they're losing their minds when they actually see us play. They go, you know, oh, you guys are obviously using samples and tapes and everything because you can't be singing that way. No, we, as you know, we're, we're the real deal. And that's because that's we work our asses off. We work really hard to to get that, and and like I said, we keep improving. So it's um, it, it's a nice compliment when when people come up, come back and 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 kind of respect that. You know what I mean? It's kind of cool. Oh well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I have been on a soapbox about that the last year or so because too many bands are taking the easy way out, and live isn't really live. And I point to you guys as one of those shining examples of putting the work in and 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 sounding amazing. You know, when I saw you guys last in Denver at that uh, stadium show at Coors Field, I I went over to uh, to Ronan, your sound guy, because I was standing in front of house, and I was just like that's still all real, right? And he goes, yep. And I go, that is remarkable. So, you know, and, and what I'm finding is bands like yourselves that are doing it all real because there's so many people taking the, the easy way out and, and, uh, and putting a, a million tracks out, th they want the acknowledgement for it and they damn well should get it because it would be way easier to, to, to not do that. So I give you all the credit in the world always for that. I'm so, I respect that so much and I think it's absolutely brilliant brilliant um i know you're busy and I, I i don't want to hold you too much longer but i want to ask you two quick things i know it's early in the process have you guys thought about who you'd like to induct you is there a list already together of people you'd like to have i mean got any suggestions who do you think <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to think I mean, is there is there a figure or two that's been really super important? You know, the Hall of Fame, they like the person to have some cachet and some celebrity as well. 
So, you know, if they can find a musician that's a huge Leopard fan and cites Leopard as an influence that, that, well, that they, they have one, some, some name themselves. Who's there's, that? There's a really obvious one, and, and we would love it, but Brian May from Queen would be great. And we, we just played Vegas uh, just a few months ago, and Queen were playing just around the corner. And I, I bumped into Brian uh, at the gym, actually, and he said, oh, my God, did you play him tonight? And I'm like, yeah. He said, me too. He, he goes, what time do you finish? And I said, well, we finish about 11. He said, we finish at 8. I'll be over later. I'll finish and I'll come straight over. He turned up. He, he'd done a show with Queen. And then came over and saw us, and it was just like amazing. You know, Brian's one of my biggest influences. I, I love him. He's playing the right, and I just can't get over how amazing it is. So, and we all do. We're huge Queen fans and, and, and Brian fans. And so that would be lovely if he'd be up for it. But, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if he, if he is and, and see, see who's around. And see, see. It's, it's a weird thing because um, we've never done this before. So it's. Um, it's a, it's slightly alien. We've done done a lot of other things, but we've never, you know, been inducted to anything per, per se. So, you know, actually, Brian did induct us into uh, the rock, uh, on the guitar center thing in, in in Hollywood, West Hollywood, a few years ago. We got to put our fingers in the uh, cement and all that, and, and Brian was was there for that, which was was awesome. So, uh, he's the only person I could think of straight off the bat who, who we would love to do it. Yeah. Well, man, I think he would be brilliant. It would be brilliant if he did it. And Queen is uh, amazingly riding high right now, coming off of this movie and yeah. uh, and the shows they've Absolutely. got announced. And you know, I even have an old Def Leppard live recording, like from the Pyromania tour, where Brian May came out and jammed with you on a song. I think he did a CCR song or something. Brian has been a champion of the band and, 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 a, and a friend and a fan and everything. You know, when we were doing a stereo, we were looking for guitar sounds. And uh, Brian, Queen were playing Wembley. This is when Freddie was alive. And uh, Brian said, well, you know, I, we're playing Wembley for a few nights, but if you want to check my sound at my amps and my guitar and that, I'll, I'll get my tech to break it down and bring it to the studio. And I went, no, no, surely not. And he did. He did. He's, he's just been such the, uh, just wonderful, you know, you, it, over the years. So all of these things add up, and, and plus we're such fans of him and Queen. So it's, uh, it, w- it, would be, it would be nice. Well, I think that would be brilliant. Okay, Phil, here's the last thing, and maybe the most important thing of this whole conversation. During the performance yeah. of Def Leppard on the stage, on the night of the induction for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, will you perform with your shirt off? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if they let me, if they let me take it, because you know it's TV, and they're like, you know, it, <laughs> if I'm flashing nipples, I, I, I guess you know it could be weird. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it, and we'll see. Yeah, you should, Phil. You should. You will be, to my knowledge, if you do it. Yeah. And as I've said to people all the time, a guy that takes care of himself like you do, if it was, if I had that discipline, I'd be walking around in the winter outside with my shirt off. But if you, <laughs> if, if you do it, I'm pretty sure, and you have yeah. to check, I'm pretty sure you would be the first person ever to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and perform shirtless. So I think it would be brilliant. I hope you do it. Well, now you've said that, I'll make sure we do that. So what about the chili peppers? Do they, do, are they in there yet? They, they may have been fully naked. <laughs> you 
yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's just a sock on, on their thingy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think yeah. that. I don't know if they're in or not yet, though. I'm not sure. Ed, do you know if the Chili Peppers oh. are in? Yes, My they are. Would know. Oh, Chili Peppers are in. I think they perform fully clothed. Although Flea is often shirtless, so maybe Flea was. We'll have to check that. Maybe I'm wrong. I have to check my stats. This is the real important stuff, you well, know. <laughs> text me if it, if it, um if yeah, I'll, I'll definitely try and do that. I'll try and be as naked as I can. That's the only guy that I could think of that may have done it before you. You're spot on would be somebody in the Chili Peppers. So we'll check that video right. footage. I'll text you. If they had a shirt on, you would be the first. And I think you, even if it's for half of a song, even if it's for the last song, you can have that distinction and you can really have a, a special place in the Hall of Fame. You can take the shirt that you started the set with on and take it off, and then that can go in the Hall of Fame with your exhibit. That would be perfect. That would be brilliant. I, I think, um, yeah, yeah, all right. Now you've said that, I, I think we'll um, give that a shot, actually. Yeah. Oh, man. Listen, buddy, I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Send my best to Helen. The baby's doing well? Amazing. Thank you. All right, really good. Fun. And. And uh, I'll be talking to you soon because I know you had a lot to do with the new Tesla record coming, and that's coming out soon. So as soon as that hits, we'll definitely uh, spend some time talking about that as well. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, brilliant. Uh, yeah, we're, we're really looking forward to that. Send yeah, my best to the guys. Send my best to the guys like there, Joe, Phil. I texted you. most of them, and uh, the only guy whose info I don't have is Sav. So send them my best and my congrats, and I'll see you guys soon, okay? All right, and, and text me if you if if Flea was shirtless, because you know, you know, if someone else done it, I won't even bother. But you know, if not, we'll, we'll make a point of it. All right, I'm going to look into it, and I definitely will get back to you and let you know. Oh, bye. Right, cheers. <laughs> Take care. And thank you. Thank All you. right, cheers. Phil. Take care, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. My thanks to Phil Collin. Great to talk to Phil, and congrats to all the Leopard guys on their induction. Still waiting to find out who actually inducts them and more details about that day. We still have a little bit of time, but great to hear from Phil and get some thoughts from him. Let's hit a break. We'll come back on the other side and welcome Marty Friedman. Second part of the podcast this week. Coming right up with the former Megadeth guitarist next. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you guys like my show, you're going to love The Producer's Guide, Todd Garner and Hollywood's Elite on Podcast One. Join host and accomplished Hollywood producer Todd Garner as he shares his thoughts and stories on the movie business and chats it up with his A-list industry pals like Kevin James, Rebel Wilson, Adam Sandler, and so many more. Download The Producer's Guide every Thursday, Podcast One, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome back, Eddie Trunk here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast, and now we turn our attention to Japan, where Marty Friedman has lived for a long time. We talk about that, a little bit of Megadeth. We talk about live records, Marty's new live record, an upcoming tour with his solo band, a great conversation by obviously a great guitar player and a huge music fan, Marty Friedman, interview number two on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Marty, how are you? 
How you doing, Andy, man? I'm good, man. How's things? You Are you in Japan now? I'm in Tokyo as we speak. How's things going over there for you? You uh, have lived there for how long now, Marty? It's been 15 years. Can you believe that? No, I can't. Can you believe that? <laughs> I really can't believe it, man. It's actually the longest I've ever lived in one city for uh, the longest period of time. You know, I've lived everywhere, but uh, without changing cities, it's the longest city I've ever lived in. It's really, really a freaky thing. I am assuming that means you like it. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, I, you've been to Japan, right? I've never been, believe it or not. Always wanted to go, never been. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. For for someone with the rock pedigree like you, when you get to Japan, you're going to freak out. You got to come here sometime. I want to, and I've 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 been told that, and I really want to, and I've had I've had some close calls, but it's never happened. But I would absolutely love to, uh, one of these days. Is it is Tokyo a good rock city? Is there are people really still into rock there? Tokyo and Japan in general is uh, is never going to be too far from rock or guitar, so to speak, in in the heavy sounding music, whether it be hard rock, heavy metal, pop dance music, electronic music, there's always some type of element of guitar in it. And um, and I've kind of got my own theory on that. I think that it comes from the distant past of traditional Japanese music has an instrument called the shamisen, which is kind of like a guitar. It's a three-stringed instrument that's aggressively picked with this big pick type of thing. And so... Even older people are not really too, you know, it's not too foreign to hear the sound of a distorted guitar. And so I just think it's part of the culture, and uh, you can always find any kind of music. It's a very musical country, and uh, heavy music is, uh, you know, it's all across the borders here. It's really, it's really, it's not going to die, so to speak. Well, we, we've talked about this before, Marty, but for the audience that didn't hear it the last time we spoke, what initially uh, had you moved to Japan was, well, I know you married a Japanese woman, right? Well, that was long after I moved here. Long after oh, okay. I, moved here. I came here strictly for music because there's just so much music. Uh, the Japanese domestic music scene was something that really interested me a lot. And I was listening to Japanese music exclusively. And I just knew that I could, you know, reach more of my potential here in Japan and be able to, uh, grow more musically and do more uh, fulfilling musical projects and, and just kind of go crazier over here, so to speak. And, uh, you know, never look back really, but I love playing elsewhere and I love playing everywhere. And, uh, and uh, it's just, it's allowed me to do what I need to do musically. So uh, when I do actually play in other countries, it's, it's the real me, you know what I mean? It's not like a compromised version. It's exactly what it is I want to do. I mean, that's a hell of a commitment to music to move there. No one could ever question your commitment to, to the music you make to move there because of that. Did, did, did you, um, how, how difficult was it? Because for people that don't know, I know you are in media yourself there. You do radio and TV and you speak Japanese fluently. How difficult was that? Did you have to take lessons? How did you pick up the language? Well, I was fluent before uh, I moved here. 
um, I always had Japanese as a hobby, you know, when you're uh, on the road, you know, some people read books, some people play video games or other things. And uh, I was just always kind of studying like a, you know, typical nerd. And, um, you know, I, I, I was able to speak pretty well before I moved here. And, uh, that kind of gave me the confidence to think that I could even do something as insane as, uh, completely moved to a country where nobody speaks the language you were born with. Um, but I, you know, I was pretty good before I got here. And then uh, I wound up doing a whole lot of TV right away. And that was, uh, you know, that kind of kick-started everything over here and opened up a whole lot of doors. And it's it's very natural for me now. But if I think back to what a crazy thing it was to do to suddenly do that, um, you know, I think in music or in any type of artistic field, a lot of us are nuts. And uh, sometimes you just don't think and you just do. And when you're lucky, sometimes the things that you just do without thinking happen to be the right things to do and and take a big uh, challenge, you know. And it doesn't seem like it's such a challenge, but when you look back, it's like, well, that was really insane. But, uh, you yeah, know, it's just like the Japanese was a hobby and it was extremely helpful to be able to speak and and uh, all that before coming over here. Do you see living there and knowing music so well and being such a fan of so so much so many types of music? Do you see anything in Japan on the horizon that could break in America? I mean, here in the U.S., there's been a few examples. I mean, years ago, of course, Loudness made a mark here. Easy O, a little bit of a mark. More recently, Baby Metal. I've had Yoshiki on my show a couple times. I know he's made a little bit more of an effort to really get ex Japan and what he does a, a little more awareness here. In, in the U.S., there was a documentary that came out recently about them. So there have been some some people that have made some some strides, some Japanese artists. But do you see anything on the horizon that you could tell us about that you think could make the transition and cross over to to the U.S.? Yeah, a lot of times people like make plans to do that, and it doesn't happen. And a lot of times people don't make plans to do that, and it does happen. Um, in the example of like baby metal. Um, when they first started, the farthest thing from their mind was to play outside any part of Japan. And it just happened, and it just was so well done, and just so, uh, it, it just fit into whatever was happening in America in just the exact right time that American people latched onto it, and not only Americans, but people around all around the world. So I think you could plan until, you know, the cows come home, but you can never really be sure what's going to hit anywhere that being said there's so much cool stuff that at any time anything could pop anywhere um there's a there's a band right not really a band but i guess it's a, a unit called passcode that uh, i'm really into right now and um i just did something with them uh, uh on uh, they did a little kind of a mockumentary video for one of their singles and um, i'm in it and I, I just love this unit it's kind of a little bit like baby metal, but it's 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 hard to explain. It's very very tricky musically, and it's not as traditional metal. It's very uh, it's eclectic, but it's extremely aggressive. And there's uh, cute girls in it, so <laughs> where's the downside? <laughs> um, but it, there's a lot of things that could happen. There's there's, there's man with a the mission. It's a very cool band, and they're playing in America quite a bit. 
And Deer and Gray is also an awesome band that has done a lot of stuff in America. And I think you're probably aware of Maximum the Hormone. And uh, they're super heavy, but uh, super uh, poppy at the same time. And uh, I think that fills a lot of Japanese music would really fill a void in what's happening in the American music scene. And uh, and I think that, uh, you know, you wouldn't have to search too hard to find things on the internet, but you never know what's going to, what's going to hit a nerve in America. And uh, everybody wants to play outside of Japan, of course, but uh, you never know what's going to hit. Well, let's talk a little bit about you because you are starting to play outside of Japan here in America more and more. Uh, released a, a few great records in a row with Inferno and Wall of Sound, and now you've got a live record, One Bad MF Live, which uh, you know I've seen your live band. I mean, it, it screams to be heard live and seen live. And you've got live tour dates coming up that we'll mention here in a second here in America also. But you know, this is um, so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but from an outsider's perspective, it looks like a little bit more of a rededication to building your own career again here in America. Would that be accurate? Not necessarily a rededication, but it's just the time is right, and I've just been enjoying it so incredibly much. I mean, I think it might have been a rededication around Inferno. When I when I released Inferno, I really had no intention of doing anything for real outside of Japan other than maybe an event or two, you know, but uh, the record company showed such a commitment. I mean, they came literally to Japan to my apartment and uh, to my record label and to my management. We went had all these meetings and they're like, we really want to do something in America. You know, and they showed so much commitment that uh, I reciprocated and I really put, uh, put my whole, put my balls into it, so to speak, into making Inferno and doing that uh, world tour, which was the longest ever I'd been outside of Japan. We did like 70 shows on that, which is, it's an insane amount of time to be away from Japan the way my stuff is here in Japan. So uh, just the people who supported me outside of Japan, despite not being there, just it was really moving for me, you know, because I thought pretty much everybody had thought that I just screwed off and went to Japan and didn't care about anybody anymore, but that wasn't the case. And um, they really showed a lot of support, and, and I couldn't help but feel like I wanted to do more and then so I, you know, finished that tour and did Wall of Sound, which was really a, an exhaustive process, uh, labor of love, which just, I really don't know how I'm going to top that. It's really something I'm proud of. And that's why I'm still touring on it, because uh, I don't want to go into the studio for a while and, and try to even think about topping that. But I just love playing this stuff live and the people in America and also in Europe and in Asia. I just got off an Asian tour. They're just really, really showing a lot of support and just loving these new songs. And and so, you know, it's it's just something I love to do. And, and as long as there are people who want to hear it, I'm going to be there to play it. And, uh, and on this next tour, I'm going to do all the stuff that all the cities that we didn't hit on the last Leg of Wall of Sound tour and, uh, in all the cities that wanted us to come back right away. So, uh, and, and basically just play what's on the live album and, and all the stuff that didn't make the live album. You know? 
Uh, go to MartyFriedman.com to find dates and more information. And the album, the live album, One Bad MF Live, is out now. As far as the tour, you start January 23rd in San Diego. And I noticed just looking through your dates, which, again, for everybody listening, are all on the website. So it looks like you're in, uh, you're in Anaheim around the time of NAM, right? We're in Anaheim on the first day of NAM, which was definitely not planned, but uh, uh, all of the fine people at the companies who uh, do my gear were pleasantly surprised to hear that, and so uh, that day I'm going to you know, pop into NAM and uh, do some signings and stuff in, in the early part of the day and then uh, get into uh, do the show at night, so uh, it, it's kind of a happy accident in the but, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to mean some crazy logistics from the previous night. But, uh, you know, my, the gear companies have really come to the party for me, Jackson, EMG, and Engel. So uh, I'm going to hit them up in the, in the daytime. Well, I'll be out there doing. I'll, I'll be. I usually go out and do this radio show from uh, Anaheim near Nam for a couple of days around there. So I'll definitely hit you up because I know you've got endorsement stuff and what have you. But if you get free, definitely come sit in with me. I'd love to do that. I would love to do that too, man. I, I was so glad that you came to the show in LA because it's so easy to talk about what we're doing now because that's basically exactly it. And you saw it, and I know that. Uh, you're a live album guy and I'm really a live album guy myself. And I wanted to, you know, there's some kind of spirit that is in the live albums that were happening when I was a kid. And when you were a kid that, uh, I wanted to bring that into really modern atomic charged music. You know what I mean? And I wanted to do it now. And I don't know if other people are doing the same thing, but I just really wanted to do bring that spirit into what I'm doing now. And, and, and I thought that you're a guy who really could get that. So I wanted to, yeah, totally, totally, totally. And I was glad that I saw you play live too, because you know, you're, you're billed as a solo act and obviously people are coming to see you, but your band is phenomenal and you're more than generous with the with the time and the showcase you give everybody in your band. And I just put this together recently because the other guitar player that I saw in your band, is it true that he is currently in Rat now? Is that right? Um, well, he does a whole lot of other stuff when he's not on the on the road with me. And uh, he is a he's a superstar, and he's going to do many things in the future. And uh, you know, when he's not on the road with me, I support him in whatever it is he wants to do. And uh, and uh, he's just a stud. And when, and when you see him play, you'll know what I mean. And uh, there's not a whole lot of guys who can do what I need to do in my band. And uh, Jordan is just a super, super, super guitar player and super guy. And uh, he does a lot of things. He's he's also plays in a, a country band of all things, and um, he writes his own music. I think he's putting out uh, an EP soon, and uh, he does a ton of stuff. And uh, I'm not really sure of all the things he does, but uh, when he's on the road with my band, he's just the, the perfect guy for the gig. Yeah, Jordan Ziff is his name, and he is phenomenal. And when I saw that he was in Rat, and I realized he's in your band, I was just like. Man, your band has got to be a walk in the park compared to some of the. And I love the guys in Rat and their friends, but my gosh, some of the the problems in in that world, uh, it's got to be like a vacation when he gets on the road with you, Marty. I don't really know anything about it. 
<laughs> Taking the fifth, Marty. That's what you should do. All right. Well, let's let's get back to the live record and the live thing. You know, I love live records, as you accurately stated. You know, I grew up with all the great '70s records that I I love to death to this day. UFO, Strangers in the Night, Cheap Trick, Budokan, Kiss Alive, all that stuff is still sacred to me. And it's weird when you think about it because to me. Like the seventies were such an unbelievable era for live records to the point that they would break bands. They broke Kiss, they broke Cheap Trick. But it seems to me like ever since the seventies, outside of a few exceptions, maybe Iron Maiden, Live After Death, there weren't a lot like live records really lost a lot of their meaning and their cachet. Some people almost look at them as sort of throwaways. I still love them. I still think it's a cool snapshot of an artist at, at that time in their career. But why do you think it is that the seventies the were such a big deal for live records, but they haven't amounted to much since? This is a great question, and you totally nailed it on the head. And Just thinking off the top of my head right now, the only thing that I can probably think that contributes to that is uh, the fact that music videos and MTV and uh, the fact that you could see bands without having to go to the show has changed it. I mean, uh, when I, I just remember listening to live albums as a kid, when you listen to it and you hear that audience, and you're at home, and you're you're hearing that audience. It, it's in this place, and you don't really know what's going on in there, but you know it's insanely cool. You hear like the audience get really excited at certain points, and you just there's this atmosphere that only lives in your imagination. And then when you actually go to the gig, it's like wow, it's the coolest place you've ever been. You know what I mean? And so when you're listening to it at home, there's that imagination factor that just kind of doubles and triples exponentially how fun it is to listen to music. And it just, your imagination goes wild. I mean, uh, I remember that part when in, in Peter Frampton when he's doing that, do you feel like we do? And he's just like, you know, conversing with the audience and that talk box he used to have. And audience is just going crazy and you're just imagining chicks lifting up their tops and it's just, it just seems like everybody's having such a great time in there of course when you're like 14 you those are the things that you imagine are going on right and um and they are going on and and it's just such a you know imagination is such a great thing and i just remember loving the live album so much and it just made it so exciting to actually go to the shows you know what i mean and um i think that is probably one of the things and it was definitely something I had in mind when when I was editing this live album because we play for two hours plus and, and a live album you know I wanted to make a good old old school gatefold two disc album so that's you know the most you can get on there is like about 80 minutes and on a CD is like 70 80 minutes so uh we had to like, you know, edit the live album. So I wanted to keep it in the spirit of the ones, like you say, you know, Cheap Trick at Budokan and uh, UFO Live and and uh, Frampton Comes Alive and Kiss Alive, Ramones Alive, Fog Hat, Leonard Skinner and Bloister Called and all those great live albums. They had like this pace about it. And, and, you know, the time between the songs and the time, you know, with the audience conversing with the raps you know the the MC, the talking, and all that stuff, and all those the solos and and having the solos be exciting, you know, not boring solos, keep keep things really exciting. And 
I, I wanted the thing to feel like the records that I used to get off on when, when I was buying live records myself and just to like have a document of it, you know, that I actually did it because when I was a kid, you know, the live albums, that's what I lived for. And so I really wanted to do it myself. And uh, so, you know, actually making one and, and, and the learning process of trying to make the kind of live album that you love to hear was really, it was, it was great fun, first of all, because the recording is done in, you know, two hours, it's done. And uh, so it was a lot easier than spending a year and a half, you know, tweaking little drum parts and stuff. So uh, it was just a great learning experience. And it, it really kind of renewed my fun, the same fun that I had listening as a kid and actually doing it now. So that's what the, you know, the record was for me. You have a favorite all-time live record? Uh, it's got to be like, uh, it's got to be Kiss Alive, man. You know, you're a big Kiss guy. It's either the Ramones Alive or they both happen to be called Alive. Right. <laughs> uh, the Ramones, It's Alive or Kiss Alive, you know, uh, it's got to be somewhere in there. Does it bother you that in retrospect that they've pretty much admitted that Kiss Alive really isn't all that live? <laughs> or does it still Absolutely. not matter to you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, I don't care about anything but the final product, right. how I feel when I'm when I'm enjoying it, you know. And uh, I talked to Eddie Kramer about that because uh, I'm just such a fanboy, and there was a time that we were bumping into each other quite a bit, and uh, I was just asking him all sorts of questions about that, and uh, you know, whatever it was, it was a very important soundtrack in in, in my teenage time so i loved it <laughs> so he couldn't uh take away the romanticness from it from me right. anyway <laughs> right. yeah no i love i mean obviously i love kiss alive me growing up a huge kiss fan but ufo strangers in the night one of my all-time favorite records from my oh, all-time yeah. favorite bands i i just had a conversation not long ago with ron nevison who produced that about that record and what went into that and how much of that is actually live. And that is predominantly really live, which makes it even more incredible. But you know, you know what I think? I just listened to Queen Killers the other day, which I hadn't listened to in a while. But you know what is it? A really underrated live record and is 100% live to the point that you hear the M80s go off in the air is, uh, is Aerosmith bootleg. Aerosmith bootleg is like the most raw, dirty, real live record, probably the most accurate representation of what they really sounded like in the 70s of any band because they just took radio broadcast tapes and put them put them on a, a record. And when you listen to that thing today, I mean, it is so raw and dirty and real, and I love it for it. If you listen to the beginning of Lord of the Thighs, there was a thing in the 70s I never understood. I've talked about this where people used to throw m80s in the audience which is a dumb thing to do but it was a thing and you even hear the m80s going off in the overhead mics it's like that talk about putting you in a time and place it's crazy when you hear that <laughs> yeah i've got a couple aerosmith bootlegs that are just completely awesome so that totally makes sense totally makes yeah. sense yeah warts and all yeah, and as my, they say. my thing is and, then, and you know, you know what? My thing is completely live too. Anyone who is there would know. The only thing that was really done in the studio is like a lot of hacking. A lot of things got cut out. You know, we made two hours go into uh, seventy-two minutes. So uh, a lot of things were cut for size and cut for content and just to like tighten things up and uh, and to actually go in and replay stuff. You know, I, I would like to do that actually, 
but I can see that's a completely slippery slope of endless yeah. work, and you'll never, ever, ever be satisfied with it. So just leaving it is, is I can't imagine putting in that kind of time to, like, fix things. I can't imagine. Hey, uh, a few other things I want to hit you with. you have a few more minutes? Can I put you on hold? Absolutely. All right, cool. Of course, some of you, many of you who are guitar players know Marty from his early work with Jason Becker in Cacophony. And Marty, I wanted to ask you about that because I've been in touch with Jason, who has just released some new music. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it, it is unbelievably to me inspirational to see at this point in his life with all he's been through that he is still able to create like this. I'm, I'm imagining you're still in touch with him and are aware of this record. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I played on two songs on the record. And, um, you know, uh, it's surprising to a lot of people, but it's really not surprising to me what he's done because uh, I see how he works and uh, I see how he lives. And uh, he's still one of my best friends in the world and completely love him like a brother. And uh, he's pretty much my complete inspiration to like kick ass because um if ever i start to feel lazy or like wow this is so hard why am i working so hard i just remember how hard it is for him to like get one note from point a to point b and then and then i then i'm all right then i get back into a into ass kicking mode you know and it's all because of him you know and his new record you know what can i say it would be absolutely gorgeous and beautiful just without even putting his um, condition into the equation, you know, I, I don't want people to listen to the record thinking of uh, him having ALS and how hard it is to make this music. I just want people to enjoy the music on face value. How, what a beautiful piece of work it is. And the amount of fantastic people that he's lined up to play on this thing and to contribute, you know, their sound and their talents to, bringing his music to life it's really a magic that i don't really know anybody else who has done that or can done that can do that and uh, i'm just really impressed with the guy as always yeah he's been in touch with me and i've been trying to help him get the word out about it here in the u.s a little bit and i obviously uh have told him if he's got producers or people he work closely with on it that can speak and come on the radio i'd be happy to do that but i think it's important to let people know that don't know his story and that he is still out there creating and the fact that he was able to create and take part in making this record and like you said a lot of great contributors yourself included and if you just you know if you didn't know the story and you just look listen to it you'd say man that's really impressive stuff and then when you know the backstory you're like <laughs> My gosh, I mean, it's it's stunning. It really is. And I, I I just I just got so I don't know him well and we only got to know each other recently when the documentary came out, uh, Not Dead Yet, a few years ago. And I actually had him on my T V show at the time. We did the best we could, but we did have him on. And ever since we've been in touch via email and of course we have a ton of mutual friends like yourself and Richie Cotson and others and I was uh you know, just just stunned that this guy is still able to create like this and still be this good with all he dealing with it's really incredible well thank you for the love i mean it's great to have uh someone who's so deeply into rock and metal like you give him some support because the record itself it's not a rock metal it's not, it's not a rock record it's not a metal record and i wouldn't even say it's a guitar record despite the fact that it's got like all anybody who's anybody is a guitarist is on that thing you know it's just it's a piece of one wonderful music and uh you know there's tinges of rock in there there's tinges of uh 
guitarism in there, but it's really these compositions that is what his thing is all about. And um, But people in the world of rock, you know, support him and love him because he came from rock. He came from uh, Cacophony, which was really insane metal guitar playing. And then David Lee Roth, which is, is a rock institution. So he started in, in rock, but it's, it's really like a Beethoven kind of thing. You know, he's just a, a composer of a really, really high level. And uh, I just think it's great that people who don't necessarily listen to uh, um, things outside of the world of rock or, or heavy music, that they're still enjoying his music because uh, it's just worth listening to and, and worth enjoying. So I, Yeah, I and mean, I think... Uh, the, and- the attention. Yeah, and it's a story worth rooting for, and I, I and he des- it's an artist that absolutely deserves support and and should be uh, recognized for the work that he's doing. So I'm just trying to help him. Uh, you know, like I said, musically it might be a little it's sometimes out of the box of what I do, but it's still a very important record, I think, and important to shine the light on it of what he's doing against the obstacles that he's dealing with. It's I think it's remarkable and inspiring in so many ways. So I wish him nothing but the best and anything we can do to help get the word out about it, I think is, uh, is important. Did you, do you ever find yourself, Marty? I mean, you, you, you played with Jason, obviously everybody knows you were in Megadeth for such a, a great period of that band's history. Is there any side of you that would ever like to be in a band again? Well, I mean, uh, as you see, my band is definitely a band vibe. And so doing my solo stuff is, is certainly, being in a band, but um, I would not rule out anything, any kind of band that I think is cool and new and exciting and, and uh, or just any band that's doing anything really, really interesting that I could contribute to. I'd be way into that. I mean, I've done so many insane projects over here in Japan, playing with bands, playing with artists, doing my own stuff, doing uh, other people's stuff. Um, I do anything that I think is insane. <laughs> Anything that I think is really exciting or worth doing, I definitely would pursue. So I'm not against any type of situation, really. I mean, you know, just the other day, a band got announced with Geezer Butler, Steve Stevens, Matt Sorum, Frankie Perez, this sort of super group thing. You see stuff like that pop up all the time or or bands that have been around for a while looking for a great guitar player or something. Does any of that stuff appeal to you? I'm sure you've had offers. Yeah, it actually does appeal to me. Um, it, it appeals to me um, a lot. And if the right situation were to arise, I would be jumping on it. It really would have, there would have to be a reason for it. It would have to be something where I could really, you know, bring something to it that would make it, you know, worth doing. And then, and then I would be way into it. You know, I, I think uh, uh, a lot of great, combinations of people can create new things that uh you know are better than the sum of the parts sep- the, the sum of the parts you know what i'm trying to say i can't speak english anymore but, you know when you, <laughs> you put certain when you, when you put certain things together they're better than the, the the parts separately you know what i'm trying to say i don't and, totally uh, what you mean yeah Completely. i'm into that you know i'm into that in a big way you know? and uh, and uh, i would be into any kind of uh collaboration like that band whatever it is uh, I've done a whole lot of that in Japan, but not a whole lot of it outside of Japan. So, uh, you know, um, I'd be into it. And if a kid is listening to this right now and wanted to, you know, wanted to hear a, a, a Megadeth album with Marty Friedman on it, which one would you tell him to get? Which one are you most proud of that you made with Megadeth? 
Oh, all of it, all of it. Um, there's nothing, you know, nothing in there that I regret even for a second. So uh, really just pick one and, and you'll be fine. <laughs> well, even risk, because, you know, I spoke to Mustaine recently about risk and he basically said that he kind of p- painted that record as a concession to you at the time. Is that a record that you really wanted to make and that you still feel strongly about? Is that <laughs> slow news day? <laughs> That's what yeah, I just yeah, had him on my show like a week ago talking about that. We talk because I'm always fascinated about I'm always fascinated about artists' histories where they have records that are sort of like anomalies. They take a different turn. Maybe there's a different lineup. Like talking about Aerosmith before, I love Rock in a Hard Place. That's the one Aerosmith album that doesn't have Joe Perry on it. And I just find it really interesting. Or you look at Kiss, you know, there's The Elder. There's people that love that, that dislike that. So, uh, you know, Risk is kind of that Megadeth record. You were a part of it, and I was just always curious, in retrospect, your feelings about it. Well, you know, I think anything that needed to be said from me about that was probably said at the time. I mean, I haven't even thought about that since then, so I couldn't give you a, uh, an intelligent answer. But, uh, yeah, I don't really um, – I'm barely thinking about what I did yesterday, much less back then, you know. So uh, I'm sure whatever it was at the time that it happened, everybody involved with it was doing the best that they possibly could and one i'm sure of that because that is something that's happened on every record before that and every record since that and every record i'm doing now um when you're doing it you're doing the absolute best that you can and 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 pretty much if you look at any press of any record you definitely know this when it comes out what the people are saying right then right at that time that's what it is and then oh yeah Depending on the the re- results of that, people's stories change. But like at the time, you know, um, it's, you're doing the best that you know. You really, really, really believe in that. Everybody believes in it, and and then that's it. You know, so I, I definitely wouldn't even begin to think of whatever specifics were going on back then. It's just the farthest thing from my mind. But uh, but uh, I can assure you that uh, anything was done with the best of intentions and uh, hardest work and everybody um, was just trying to do their best. I've always said this, that every artist, like whatever record cycle they're on, that is the best record they ever made, at least for that, that month until the next record comes out. And then I I would hope to think so. I mean, the more you do anything, the more you do anything, you should be, you know, getting better at it. I I would assume that if you're a, Whatever it is, you know, whether it's sports or woodworking or carpentry or music or anything, the more you do it, hopefully you don't start sucking more. <laughs> you should hopefully can, can continue to get better at it. And so whatever is at the present, that's the peak. That should be the peak. And, and uh, I'm certainly very, very in tune with that. So uh, each time I try to raise the bar in every single thing that, I do musically and uh, just so I can live with it. You know what I mean? People, you know, people like different eras of your career and, and that's totally fine. That's totally great because what you got to realize is when people enjoy music, it's not just the content of the music that they're enjoying. They're enjoying that period of time in their life, what was happening in their life, what the music connects to them with. Right. Um, you know, and that's, 
that is the magic of music. So like, uh, as the artist making the music, you know, the, it should be the responsibility to try to completely do your best and grow and evolve and all that stuff. But there's no way to control what, uh, what part of your career the fans are going to choose because, you know, you know, you have your first girlfriend in the backseat of the car, whatever's music, whatever music is playing, then that's going to be awesome. <laughs> that's going to be your thing, you know, and, and, and I'm sure you find this as well, that when you grow up, some of the music that you actually hated when you, when you were a kid, you listen to it now and it's like, it's cool. Now you like it now, you know, and at the time you really hated it, but like, the memory of hating that music is a really warm and fuzzy memory. So when you listen to that music that you used to hate, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. And, it's, and the reverse, the reverse works too sometimes, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that. There is totally that. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I grew up in, in Maryland and, and it's right on the border of the North and South. And so we, you know, I don't want to offend anybody, but like we were like trying not to be Southern where we lived. We were like, ah, oh, Southern rock, Southern rock. We don't like it. We really, really hated Leonard Skinner. And which if you look at the content, Leonard Skinner is totally, totally awesome. But at the time, you know, as little kids, you know, the stupid things that go through kids' minds, ah, we don't like all that Southern stuff. And right. It's like country music, you know, whatever. But, but growing up, just reminding me of like, you know, little kids stuff, you know, having little childish, you know, not arguments, but just like, you know, musical arguments that you have with your friends about what music is cool and, and that. And I listen to Leonard Skinner and it's, it's all very fondly remembered by me. It just, and, I, and it's really super cool and it brings back a lot of really cool memories. So uh, there's so much other things attached to all kinds of music that, uh, you know, and it, it has kind of little to do with the actual content. The content is the artist's responsibility to try to really do their best all the time. Hey, two quick things and I'll let you go. Um, is the queen, you know, here in America, it's like queen mania because of this movie, this Bohemian Rhapsody movie. Is that, a, is it, is it big in Japan? Absolutely. Uh, I, I just saw it the day it came out and, uh, boy, what an impressive thing that was. I mean, uh, of course I'm a queen fan, but, uh, God, God, <laughs> Uh, man, what can I say? I mean, from note one, I mean, the sound, it's worth it for the sound. Sound yeah. alone was just, we're just, just, uh, blown away, loved it. Um, kind of would expect nothing less from Queen. Um, but, uh, God, I loved it. And the other thing, the last thing is, you know, I am still, people get music all different ways now. Streaming, there's a, some movement back to vinyl, even people are starting, I've seen cassettes pop up again. I am still, my favorite format by far is still the CD. And I read some stats recently that I thought was really interesting that in Japan, that's where the CD is still the strongest and where streaming is still something that hasn't really latched on. Is that true? That might be an exaggeration, but it's probably true that the CD is stronger in Japan than anywhere else in the world. Um, it's still very, very uh, real, and uh, it's still a format that uh, people use a lot. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that, um, which will take forever to go into. But yes, 
uh, CD is popular. Streaming is also popular. Vinyl is um, getting popular. It's not like as as hip, you know. It's getting hip in America, which I love. I love that because um, I'm a big vinyl guy myself, and uh, that's why I wanted to make the total old school live album on you know double record vinyl, and, and I just love that. I love the format. You sit with the record, and you fold it out, and and clean out pot seeds in the middle of the of the, of the live <laughs> record and all that. Now that it's legal and all that, but then again, somebody <laughs> told me that. Uh, there's no seeds in pot anymore, so that shows you how how long I've been away from America. Um, and then and I don't do that kind of stuff, but uh, you know, you know what I'm saying. So the the, the vinyl experience is great, but yeah. in Japan, CDs are really uh, um, it's great, and and I think the reason it's survived is there's a lot of like bonus stuff in the CDs. Yeah, a lot of CDs have a bonus DVD, or they'll have really extended liner notes and excellent photo quality and like involvement from the artist in, in uh, you know, all kinds of, uh, you know, telling the story about the songs and, and there's like little special promos for gigs coming up and coupons for fan clubs. And there's just a lot more inside the CD that it makes it something that you can't necessarily get when you stream so there's a lot of value added to it well i am always fighting the fight to keep the cd alive it's still my favorite format and if there was ever a case made for me to come to japan and maybe even move there one day it's if cds go away everywhere else at least i know i can come there and still be with my people who love cds and uh, dude, and all the greatness you, of them go, dude i gotta tell you when you come to japan all those records that you've never found on cd you will find them in japan and you will just you must bring an extra suitcase because you're going to be bringing back so many CDs that you didn't know existed on CD. And um, uh, it's just a, it's a really, really wonderful place for record shopping. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I'm going to look you up if I get over there one of these days. I would love to. And I'll see you sooner than that, though, because you're coming to the States. Again, Marty's got a tour kicking off January 23rd in San Diego with his killer band. Be sure to see it. See all the dates wherever you're listening. MartyFriedman.com. Check out the new live album, One Bad MF Live, which is available now, as well as the previous studio record, Wall of Sound, which is amazing. Always great to talk rock with you, man. And hopefully I'll see you around now. I'll hit you up. Thank you so much, Eddie, man. Appreciate it. All right, Marty. Thanks. Good luck with everything. Safe travels. I'll see you soon. Take care. Talk soon, man. Bye-bye. Well, my thanks to Marty Friedman. I'll tell you what. He was on that phone line from Japan, and the quality of the sound was better than most people I talked to next door. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) sorry, folks. Again, still sick. Still, so so Marty uh, sounding better. Uh, than most people, and he was halfway across the world during that conversation. I always worry when I do international phone calls, you know, how the quality is going to be, considering that was done on radio, but obviously uh, not a factor. So great to talk to Marty about all sorts of stuff. And as I mentioned, I'm in Southern California, and Marty's tour is kicking off, so hopefully I have a chance to see him do his thing uh, when I am in the area of Anaheim where he's kicking off uh, his show there around Nam at the House of Blues. Thanks to Marty Friedman. Check out his new live album earlier in the podcast. Thanks to Phil Collin. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She produces the Eddie Trunk podcast. And remember, follow me on Twitter at Eddie Trunk. There's also Instagram, fan page on Facebook, just at my name, and EddieTrunk.com. All the appearances on the homepage. A lot going on, folks. 
So keep an eye on all of my outlets and uh, hopefully see you out and about. You guys have a great week. I'll see you next Thursday for another all-new episode, free as always, on podcastone.com or iTunes. Hospital Steve Burton and Bradford Anderson have been playing buddies on screen for years, only to discover that their real-life dynamic is perhaps even more fun with guests from daytime TV, the entertainment industry, and beyond. No joking around. None allowed. We're a very serious show. Download That's Awesome every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.